downstairs a minute ago and saw in the nursery someone walk by and then the same person walked by a second time and I thought Laura had taken to actually cloning people to fill the nursery volunteers up. So if you'd like to be cloned, it's either that or it's twins, uh, Ashlyn and Taylor down there, one or the other. So either way though, it's working. All right, so we are in Luke chapter 19 this morning, <clears throat> starting it. Uh, so do whatever you need to do to get to that uh, before you this morning. Get it so you can see it and understand as we're working our way uh, through this. And as you're, you're finding your passage, uh, let, me, let me ask you this. Ha- have you ever met a Christian who is just so solid, so in love with Jesus, humble, godly, kind, only to find out as you start talking to them just how dark their past is. Like things you just, you just kind of hear it and you're like, I did not expect that. Uh, you, you ever meet someone that? I know some, some of you are Christians like that and, and I love it. Um, I, I know this, this man, we'll call him Frank. Uh, he's one of the nicest, most patient, generous men I've ever met. Just mature in the faith that I've ever known. He's maybe in his late 60s now uh, and, and such a genuine follower of Christ Uh, that I was absolutely floored one day when he started telling me about his background, that before Christ had uh, saved him, that he was this hardened drug dealer with all sorts of of crime, and you're just like, I can't make sense out of this. Um, But you can make sense out of it. It's it's one of these beautiful testimonies to the grace of God. Your life, if your life is in faith, is also a testimony to God, but some of these times we see this huge contrast, and you're just... It's, it's just beautiful to see. Now, let, let me ask you another question before we get started. Are, are there people in your life uh, who, who you've just kind of given up hope for that God's going to ever uh, redeem them because maybe they're just, they just seem too evil. There's just no hope for them. Or, or maybe they're just too apathetic to, to eternal things. Maybe it's just been too long and, and, and they've shown absolutely no concern for the things of God at all or any conversations that way at all. Are there people in your life like that? And if there are, this passage that we are reading about today, God willing, will encourage you as it teaches us that that redemption is a gift of God to the undeserving and as it shows us that salvation transforms the hearts and the lives of the unrighteous. And we see both those things in this passage. Let's, Let's get to the passage. You've got it before you. Follow along as I begin reading chapter 19, verse 1. Uh, It's he is Jesus at the beginning. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be, with the, be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, this word we have just read is your word. Give us hearts, give us minds to approach it as your word. And may we learn what you intend for us to learn from this interaction between our Lord and a man named Zacchaeus so many years ago. So Lord, please remove the notifications in our minds and give us real focus this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you're getting the story here. Jesus enters into the city of Jericho. You probably know this city if you've been anywhere near churches at any point in your life. Uh, it's been a long time, however, since the trumpets blare, since the walls fell down, and the, the, the place has been built back up. It's uh, at this point now run by Herod the Great, right? And, and it's just prospering massively. Now, this new Jericho had a, a palace. It had a hippodrome, which was a big deal. You could do races and entertainment, and anytime you can get to races and entertainment, things are, are, are pretty luxurious in a town uh, at this point. It's along this major trade route, and, and all that really means for us is, is it tells us it's an incredibly rich place because money is coming in all the time. Um, it, it's a wealthy, wealthy city that Jesus encounters, Zacchaeus. And now, up to this point through Luke, we've come across a number of tax collectors, and every time we've kind of talked about who they are, these, they are these traitors to Israel is the way they're viewed. Well, Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. He is the traitor of all traitors, right? If, if we consider the analogies we used a few weeks back when we were talking about a, a tax collector, uh, then Zacchaeus is, is the gang leader. Zacchaeus is, is the head pimp. He is the, the kingpin of the cartel. He, he is a terrible guy. Zacchaeus is the worst. Don't forget that as we're considering this. He's not some decent, misunderstood guy. He's a terrible person in this society. He's also quite rich. Most of his money is made in the form of theft, right? It's, it's by collecting more money than he's authorized to, to collect. It, it works like this. Say you go into Varsity Donut, right? And you want one of those blueberry cake donuts that are so scrumptious. And it's supposed to be 89 cents. And instead of the lady or the person behind the counter charging you 89 cents, they say it's $3 and you give them $3. And so they put 89 cents into their drawer and they take what? Do the math, Ducky. $2.11 and they put it into their own pocket and now they're making some uh, they're making money that way by cheating you, by cheating their employees. And Zacchaeus is, is a, a hated man, right? He's absolutely hated, but he's a rich man. And, and then Jesus comes to town, and for some reason, Zacchaeus wants to, to, to see this, this religious nomad because he's heard so much about him, right? Maybe he's, he's heard about the miracles he's performed. Maybe he's, he's heard that this man preaches with authority that we've never heard before. Maybe he's heard that, you know, this, this man even extends grace to, to, to those despised within our Jewish society, that's what he wants to see is Jesus. And, and what's the one physical characteristic we know about Zacchaeus at this point? Say it. Right? Here's this guy forever known as being short. He, is, uh, he would have been called vertically challenged in our politically correct culture today. He's short. He's a, a, a wee little man, right? You, you, you know that, that term. It's, it's a Scottish term that just means little, uh, but you know it because of the song. Any of you know you could sing the song right now? How many of you? I'll be Baptist up here. Yes, so that's the song. Most of you probably can sing it. If not, on your way home, teach it to your children. What, you're about to clap for singing of Zacchaeus? Go for it. Um, <laughs> it... It's a fun song. It's a great song for children. It explains a lot, but it doesn't 
quite explain just how undignified it is that Zacchaeus is, is, is his behavior right here because rich men wearing robes in this culture do not run. Rich men wearing robes in this culture do not climb up trees. That is just undignified behavior. And yet we see here in Zacchaeus, his desire is so strong to see Jesus, to learn something about him, that he both runs and he climbs up a tree. He's just disregarding any concern about what others might think of him. Uh, And and so we see this little, wee little man climb up into a tree. It's a sycamore tree. Uh, At some point, Google these trees. They're kind of like American live oak trees. They, they have these twisting branches that often come low. So uh, it's not a palm tree. You wouldn't have seen him going straight up. But, but for whatever, you know, he gets up in this tree so he can see him. And, and he's in the tree. And all he wants is to see Jesus walk by. I want to see what this man looks like that I've heard so much about uh, that has me so intrigued. And, and then Jesus stops and he looks up in the tree. And, and there in the tree, he sees Zacchaeus. And I can only imagine how awkward that eye contact is, at least for Zacchaeus in this moment, right? Just feeling like, oh, I've been caught. What's he, I am in a tree looking down on him. It's, it's just a weird moment. And yet it's in that very moment that we see here is Jesus pursuing Zacchaeus. Right? Zacchaeus has a little bit of interest, but it's Jesus who's going to pursue him. Jesus knows his name. He, he even knows the corruption of his heart. Uh, but Jesus doesn't look upon this, this corrupt, wee little man with contempt. He looks on him with compassion. He, he looks with the intention of, of changing his heart. And, and did you notice here, Jesus didn't wait to be invited into Zacchaeus' life. Literally, Right? He invites himself in. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. This is Jesus doing what he later states in verse 10 here, right? He is seeking and saving the lost. But can you imagine what that moment would be like? This well-known, famous guy, but it's still a stranger to him. You never met before, just informing you, I'm coming to your house today. I mean, imagine this. You're in Hy-Vee and you're trying to pick out coffee and you're thinking maybe Starbucks, but it's Starbucks, I'll feel guilty. Um, so maybe Cameron's. And, and around the corner comes Bill Snyder and, and he's just like, hey, Isaac, I'm coming to your house today. So let's leave the coffee. Let's go. It, what, what do you mean you're coming to my house? It, it's such a strange thing. It's it's strange and it's weird, but you see what's going on here at the heart of this is an invitation going on, right? It's it, it, because we see that Jesus is calling Zacchaeus to faith. Just, just obey what I'm saying. Come with me. We're going. And, and, and when Jesus calls a man, a woman, a child to faith, he also gives grace to respond. Theologically speaking, this is what's called effectual grace, meaning that when, when God calls a sinner through the power of the Holy Spirit, he does absolutely everything that needs to be done inside of us so that we can respond to that call with faith. Now, look at verse 6 right there in front of you. This is so ordinary, and yet it is so beautiful, right? It says, and so he, Zacchaeus, hurried, uh, hurried and came down and received him, Jesus, joyfully. He receives Jesus joyfully. This is the moment where this green bud of intrigue with Jesus actually blooms into wholehearted faith in Jesus. He, he went up the tree hoping to see Jesus, and he's coming down the tree knowing Jesus and loving Jesus and trusting Jesus, and all very limited, right, as far as what he could actually intellectually know, but, but he knows enough of who Jesus is that he's trusting in him here. 
what we're seeing here is at this moment, Zacchaeus is a child of God. He receives Jesus. It's an example of what we read in, in John 1.12 where, where we're told this, to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's Zacchaeus. And that's true of all who receive joy, uh, Jesus, right? We, anyone who receives Jesus receives him joyfully. Joy is the response to receiving Christ. Now, this doesn't mean life is, is everything wonderful, right? It, it doesn't mean that the consequences of our sin are suddenly washed away completely, eternally, yes, but not in, in the life as we, as we understand it, right? If you come to faith while you're, you're serving life in prison for a murder you committed, you're still going to be serving life in, in, in prison for the murder you committed, but there is a joy in Christ that will accompany uh, a person who comes to faith in Jesus even while he's in prison. Now, I want you to take special notice here because Zacchaeus, he doesn't have to jump through any hoops, does he? He didn't tell him, you know, do this or, or do that. He, he doesn't have to collect good deeds that he's going to trade in for salvation. What we're seeing here is, is grace and the whole order of this is very, very intentional. It's grace. It's paid for by Jesus upon the cross, but it is freely given and freely received by Zacchaeus here and all who come to Jesus. <clears throat> right? It's like everyone who has been redeemed. Zacchaeus re receives salvation not by works, but by grace, by the grace of God. That's how he receives it. And, and he's the perfect example of how free grace is since he's done absolutely nothing at this point. In, in fact, all the grumbling we hear here in a second is because they're looking at this guy and they're still seeing the same guy at this point. What, what, this guy's a horrible person, they're thinking. There's, there's nothing of value he's done. And, and yet, I mean, think about this, what, how different this is. You want to understand the context of this. If you go you know, back to Luke 18 and we think about uh, the rich young ruler that we looked at before who refused to repent and he went away and he had all his wealth, just, just all of his wealth. But, but if you remember what it says, he, he went away, as the ESV puts it, very sad. He goes away sorrowful. And while Zacchaeus on this day is going to let go of most of his wealth, he goes with Jesus and he goes full of joy. Just such a drastic difference between these two rich men that we see in these, these uh, consecutive chapters here, 18 and 19. Now, what we see here is what Jesus said back in, in, in Luke 18, 27, thinking of the rich man. Remember he said, what is impossible with man is possible with whom? God. What is impossible with man is impossible with God. A, a man here who loved his wealth has entered into the kingdom of God. The impossible has happened. And so last week when we were looking at, after Jesus healed the blind man, do you remember the response of everyone? They're excited. They're, they're praising God. Look how great this is. Isn't God wonderful? But, but after Jesus shows kindness to this sleazy, despicable tax collector, what's the response of the crowds around him? What's his response? Not so good, is it? You know, they're looking at him and wondering how, how in the world has he decided to go and spend time with them? They begin grumbling, right? That's complaining. They complained instead of Jesus. Verse 7, look at it. He says, uh, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They're, they're, they're saying, well, why is Jesus going to spend his day with that filthy traitor? Well, why is he going to give him the honor of, of spending time at his house and with them? And you know deep down what they're really getting at, what they really mean is, is Jesus should come to my house. 
Because I'm a better person than Zacchaeus. He should be here. Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about if he's going to spend time with that guy. The, the people don't view Zacchaeus as worthy of Jesus' attention, uh, of Jesus' presence, of Jesus' grace. What they don't understand is that salvation is for sinners. How well do you know that, that redemption is for sinners? I mean, really, really know it. Um, not, not just in theory, but in absolute reality. A, a little over a month ago, uh, Aaron Danielson, a, a man while on a Trump cruise rally in Portland, Oregon, was shot and killed. Uh, the man who shot him was a left-wing Antifa supporter by the name of Michael Forrest Reinhold. A few days after that, uh, when the federal law enforcement arrived at, to arrest Reinhold at his apartment, he, he pulls out a gun, uh, and in the whole interaction, the officers end up shooting and killing him. Do you remember when you first heard this story? Maybe it's today. Maybe many of you have heard it already. Did, did, did you say out loud or, or in your heart something along the lines of, good, he deserved to be shot. I'm glad it went down like that. I'm glad we're not going to waste tax money on that guy. And I, I asked this question because I did. I absolutely did. Right? It's not a question of was it the right thing for the officers to do. I believe so, but that's not the point here. I, I cringe at the fact that I said good because those words just betrayed my heart and, and how I'm thinking in that moment. Because I was glad that Michael Reinhall was killed like that. I, I was glad that this sinner was going to face the judgment that I felt like he deserved. And, and the sad thing is I'm thinking about eternal judgment. I'm talking about hell here. And in my heart, I was glad that happened and instead of him being arrested and tried in court and given the just consequences for his actions. Where maybe... God willing, in the whole process, he might receive faith in Jesus. Why didn't I want that for him? The, the grumbling people in our passage don't want grace to come to Zacchaeus. That's how they look at him. Because as far as they are concerned, Zacchaeus deserves all the worst things that happen to him. As far as they are concerned, Jesus should be throwing rocks at this dirty traitor, not honoring him by spending the day with him. The view of Zacchaeus is that he is beyond redemption. That man's earned the consequences of the wrath of God, unlike ourselves. So, so where is your heart when you look on people like Michael Reinhall? And, and, and I, 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 I just, I want to be more like my Lord than these grumbling people. And unfortunately, I feel like I'm more like those grumbling people more than I wish was true. I, I want to see all people, even the worst of sinners, as souls that God can redeem, to really view them that way, as souls I, that I want God to redeem. That, that's my desire for them. Has, has anyone ever accused you of hanging out with the wrong people? Why not? Or, or if they have accused you of hanging out with the wrong people, can you honestly say it was for the right reasons? Not out of foolishness, not so your good character could be corrupted, but for the sake of caring for them, for the sake of, of having a relationship that you might share with them the gospel that they need to hear. So we've seen that Zacchaeus doesn't do anything to earn his salvation in here. and He, he comes to Jesus as he is. He receives Jesus freely. And, and, and now in you know, verse 8, have a look at this one. We, we learn that faith changes a man. 
He doesn't leave Zacchaeus where he is, right? We, we, we learn there is always evidence of true conversion in the soul of a man or a woman or child. Zacchaeus hears the grumbling of the crowd, right? And, and, and maybe their complaints have led him to think, you know what? Everything they're saying, all their grumbling, they're actually right. I am all those things they say. I have done some terrible things to these people in this community. Right? That's the, that's the context in which he stands up and he says to Jesus, but you know it's in the context of, of a wider crowd hearing it as well, and he says to Jesus, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. His first two words broadcast this change in him, right? Behold, Lord, he's submitting his life of autonomy, he's submitting that life of autonomy under the lordship of Jesus. That, that, that's what all who have received faith in Christ do. We submit ourselves under the lordship of Jesus. The, the rest of what we see here in, in this, this interaction is, is biblical repentance. It's what Acts 1 or 11.18 terms repentance that leads to life. It's not just words at the most basic level, though, that word repentance means to change directions 180 degrees, right? You're walking west, and I shout repent, and you're actually going to repent. You turn around, and you go uh, east. It's going to ask Stucky, but geography is not your thing. It's math. Um, repentance is, is both a confession of sin and a change of behavior. Not, not just one or the other. If, if I am punching you in the face... Right? And I might feel like I have good reason for doing that. And I'm punching you in the face. And I say, oh man, this is so wrong. Please forgive me, Jeff, as I punch you in the face. You know, that's part of, part of repentance. But if I just keep punching you in the face while I'm saying that, then it's merely confession. Yeah, this is wrong. But I don't care enough to stop. I'm going to keep punching you. It's not true repentance. Repentance is real lasting change. Not perfection, but genuine change. The Westminster Confession of Faith, which is our church's doctrinal statement, in chapter 15 describes repentance as, as this. It says, a sinner out of the sight and sense of the filthiness of his sins so grieves for and hates his sins as to turn from them all unto God. Did you see the change of who he is, Zacchaeus, in this decision making in this moment? Twice he describes what he's going to do, this decision, and he's using these action verbs, I give, I restore. And you grammar nerds, and I know we have a few of you, did you notice that these are not future tense, I will give, I will restore, it's, it's I give, I restore, it's present tense, which implies that what he's talking about is immediately. These aren't lofty promises way off, this is what I'm, I want to do right now. Um... Zacchaeus is a new creation, just like 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the new Zacchaeus is committed to doing two things in here. The first is, is to give away half of his wealth to the poor. This is what Zacchaeus is choosing to do here. You notice that? Not, not because Jesus said you had to. Not because this is, you know, the bill has come for salvation and now he has to actually you know, pay it. He does it because this greedy, money-worshipping, crooked tax collector has been transformed by the grace of Christ. He's been transformed and he's become contrite and generous disciple of Jesus. 
And so he's giving away half of what he has. That is a lot. Can you imagine, no matter what you make, can you imagine giving away half of your possessions, half of your salary, half of what's in savings? The only explanation of what we are seeing here is that he loves something more than money, namely Jesus our Lord. This is why many have observed that the way a man or a woman spends her money is one of the best indicators of where their spiritual condition is at. It's one of the most tempting things in the world to become a God to us, an idol. This is because, right, the, the grace of God frees us to give freely and boldly as we demonstrate that we trust the Lord and are satisfied in the Lord and he will meet all of our needs. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we see Zacchaeus do here is, is this commitment to make rest, restitution. Tax collectors, right, they have this reputation. They're a bunch of crooked thieves. And like we said, Zacchaeus is not the exception. Uh, he, he is one of the reasons they have this reputation. He is a crooked tax collector. He has been until this moment. Uh, there in verse 8, you actually see his confession. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And he's not saying if I did, like maybe, I have no idea it was an accident if I did. He's saying individually, if, if you are one of the people I defrauded, I will pay it back fourfold. And if you are one of those people I defrauded, I will pay it back fourfold. He's going to make amends to these specific people that he sinned against. This is an example of what Acts 26.20 puts this way. They should repent and turn to God. And it doesn't just stop there, but it says, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. And you could unfold that for quite some time. We won't this morning. What we notice here is that it is more than, than, than what the law in the Old Testament requires, right? Because Leviticus 6.5 says that he should pay it back 100% and then one-fifth more on top of that. Uh, for example, if you stole 100 bucks from Bill and you escaped the shotgun fires at you as you ran away, um, and you decided you come back later repenting of it, you would pay him that $100, right? That's four, full of it, and one-fifth of it, which Stucky is $20. So you'd pay him $120. The, the new Zacchaeus here, right, this new creation goes far beyond the requirement of the law. He, he gives fourfold. He's not giving the 120 required. He's giving the, I have all this math. You're in the front row. You've got to be prepared. $400, right? So he gives $400 far more. This, this is a mind, mindset of, of, of repentance here. Understanding what he's done to these people. Not, not to pay God back, but to pay this individual he sinned against back. And, and we're seeing this happen at the moment of Zacchaeus' conversion, right? But it's also an ongoing way of life for, for you who are Christians. You who are united with Jesus Christ through faith. It's an ongoing thing. And so let's make this, this personal for a moment. What, what are the habitual sins in your life right now? Something's coming to mind. Right? The one that feels like a big groove in the ground you just can't get out of? What, what changes does God want to bring in your life? If you've been taking what does not belong to you, stop and make restitution. Whether we're talking digital things or time from your employers, whatever it might be. If you've been neglecting your family, restructure your schedule or set down your phone and, and set apart time to do the things that your wife, your husband, your children need you to do. If you've been lazy at work or school, commit to work heartily and serve in the strength of the Lord. Have you been succumbing to sexual sin or to lust? Repent and, and make the changes that will guard your purity. 
If you've been living selfishly, learn to serve. If you've been tearing people down with your words, learn to build them up. If, if you have a complaining spirit, then commit to the Lord today to pursue contentment. And if you need help with that, there's a Bible study on Friday, 2 o'clock. That's not supposed to be a plug. It's not my notes. After Zacchaeus makes these commitments in, in keeping with repentance, uh, Jesus says to him, but also to the grumbling crowd, so everyone hears this, he says, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. He's confirming to everyone that while Zacchaeus was merely, uh, was merely a sinner, he is now a child of God. And by calling Zacchaeus the son of Abraham, he's saying that Zacchaeus is one of the lost sheep of Israel that, that Jesus speaks about in Matthew 15, 24. Uh, the ones that Jesus says, I have been sent to go and find. Zacchaeus is one of them. Zacchaeus can also be called a son of Abraham because he's in the covenant by grace through faith. As Galatians 3.7, which we often read at baptism, tells us, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Here is Zacchaeus receiving Jesus, receiving faith. He's a son of Abraham, child of God. Now, I, I want to look at verse 10, and, and then we'll come back to one more thing and we'll be done here. Uh, verse 10 is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture uh, simply because it is so succinctly summarizes why, why Jesus, right? Why the divine is so willing to, to, to come amongst human flesh, to live amongst us, to die for us. Verse 10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man comes to seek and to save the lost. In fact, the verse is so simple, it's hard to explain too much more about it. Uh, there's a little here, right? The, the phrase, the Son of Man, what does that mean? It's a messianic title. It's given through the, the prophet Daniel. Simply put, it's referring to Jesus. And it tells us that, that Jesus, this verse tells us that Jesus was born into human flesh to actively seek out, to find and redeem lost sinners who are children, who are God's elect children. We, we also see here that Jesus desires to be, to be known in a certain way. Not primarily as judge, though Jesus is indeed a judge, but to be known primarily as a savior, primarily as our savior. So one more last thing today. I, I, I want to challenge us <clears throat> a little bit to come back around, to, to challenge how we view people, how we, how we actually day by day live out evangelistically. Because somewhere in our heads, if you're anything like me, we, we often do this thing... Um, that I kind of want to call it, like we become uh, redemption scouts. If you're familiar with that idea of a scout, like a sports scout or a talent scout, right? You go and you assess people and try to figure out what are the prospects of, of them succeeding uh, and, uh, or not. And so you, you, you kind of put on this mindset and, and you come to your classmates maybe and you think, you know what, okay, so Rose, she's a really sweet girl. She volunteers for big brothers and sisters. I've never heard her cuss. She dresses really modesty. And, and you kind of make all these observations and then you, you file her down. This is a blue chip prospect, right? She's, she's likely to become a Christian. I can see it. She's mostly there already. Uh, you know, highly likely to come to faith in Jesus. And so she's worth investing in about Jesus. You, you just expect her to come to faith. But, but then you look across the classroom and, and there's Roxanne over there. And you think, you know, Roxanne gets drunk almost every other weekend. She sleeps with guys she meets on Tinder. Uh, her language would, would make a sailor blush. blush. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw her cheating on the exam we were taking last week. 
Uh, and, and you just look at Roxanne and your assessment is this. She is a, a hot mess and is unlikely to ever trust in Jesus because she's just too far from being godly. And, and so maybe it's subconsciously, but you kind of file her away as probably not worth the investment. And, and, and you know what? The Lord has not hired any of us to, to, to do this assessment. There are no redemption scouts on the planet. Um, and it's a false idea anyway because God is a miracle worker. But because Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost and he will find the lost and he will redeem the lost and because the Holy Spirit can absolutely penetrate even the hardest of hearts no matter what their life has looked like, does look like. In other words, God is just as likely to give faith to Roxanne as he is to Rose. Furthermore, on the flip side, Rose deserves hell just as much as Roxanne. She's a sinner, even if you've assessed her pretty well. And further still, you and I, we deserve hell too. That's, that's what our deeds have accomplished. And, and so if you're with us today and, and you feel you're beyond redemption, you, you need to know this. Truly, like Zacchaeus, you are not a hopeless case. And, and Christians, your, your alcoholic mother... She's not a hopeless case either. The, the co-worker of, your, of yours that's crude and dishonest and makes you feel just downright creepy, he's not a hopeless case. The, the LGBTQ promoting dorm maid in your dorm, she's not a hopeless case. With, with Jesus, there are no hopeless cases, none. None. We see this in Zacchaeus. And so tell people about Jesus. We're almost done. Last thing here. I, I imagine no one in Jericho thought Zacchaeus was interested in learning about God. If someone said, we should go talk to Zacchaeus about Jesus, this, this guy coming to town, he won't care. He's, that's not the guy. No one, right? But, but unbeknown to everyone, he was interested enough to risk mockery by climbing up a sycamore tree after running ahead. It's really the same for many of the people that you know. If, if you talk to them about Jesus, even just asking, hey, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think? They would willingly engage you in a conversation about Jesus. If you invited them to church or a small group or a Bible study or your campus group or anything else, they would come. They would. Maybe they are looking for a sycamore tree to climb up and to see Jesus. And maybe a simple invite by you, a simple question by you, is the sycamore tree that they are looking for. And so keep hope alive. Keep praying for the salvation of those that you know, those you care for. For in a sense, we are all Zacchaeus. And what Jesus did for Zacchaeus, if he hasn't already done for you, you need to know that Jesus is willing and Jesus is able to do this for you and for those you love. Even those you don't love. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you came in the human flesh to seek and to save the lost, and today you continue to seek and to save the lost. May we today rejoice to be not your scouts, but to be your messengers of the good news of the glorious gospel. And Lord, if there's someone joining us here today who hasn't trusted in you, we ask that today would be their day of salvation. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.